Hey, welcome back to The Caption Life. In this episode, we're going to be reviewing the many deaths of Layla Starr, and we also find out that ChatGPT is not the greatest for giving you a summary of what happens in a comic book story. Hi, and welcome to The Caption Life, a show for the most casual and dedicated fans of comics and a member of the Comic Watch family. I am your host, Sean. Join me and discover what the world of comics and graphic novels has to offer. From one-on-one interviews with industry professionals to roundtable discussions with passionate fans and reviews on the latest comics, TV shows, and movies. You can find me on social media under the username at CaptionLife. You can also find more episodes and information at thecaptionlife.com. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning into the show. We're doing a comics review and commentary, and today we're going to review The Many Deaths of Layla Starr from Boom Studios. It was published in 2021. It was written by Ram V, artwork by Felipe Andrade, uh, which I apologize if I'm not pronouncing that correctly, colored by Inez Amaro, and lettered by And World Design. And as you may know, I select the comics we're about to review by taking the recommendation from our guest host. So please welcome to the show, Seth Adrian Romo. Seth is a lifelong fan of comic books and believes there is a comic out there for everyone. He writes for Comic Watch, shares his comic book commentary on Substack, and does his best to get through his ever-growing comic books to read pile. His current goal is to read every issue of Detective Comics, starting with issue number 27. He's a husband, new dad, pet parent, and so-so toy photographer seth welcome to the show how are you doing today i'm doing well thank you for having me and, and hello future people and anyone listening to this you know <laughs> for whenever whenever they hear it yes yeah and, and hopefully as long as nothing you know drastic happens it should be two days from now we usually record on sunday then release it on tuesday awesome well there you go so you're a new dad congratulations thank you thank you yeah my daughter is turning eight months in like a week and a half it's it's been flying by it's it's very uh it's very surreal, for sure. I bet. No kidding. It, what's So since you've been a new dad, what is the biggest life-altering thing that's happened to you so far? Oh, my gosh. I would definitely say my anxiety has gone up substantially. <laughs> <laughs> that's, definitely the, that's definitely the biggest one. Um, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Every time, you know, she's doing something, I'm like, is she okay? What is she doing? Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. Why is that there? Let me move it. <laughs> I... You know, honestly, and you hit hit on the nail for me when when I became a father first time. It it wasn't until maybe he started crawling or walking that you realize mm-hmm. how the rest of the world is pretty much the world's most dangerous playground because everything could be a weapon given the right circumstance, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And of course, you know they they always have to pick the most dangerous thing. Yeah, um, you know you can have a, a handful of toys in front of them, but if if you leave one of your regular forks there. They're going to go for it, you know? I know. Yeah, and it's honestly, it's scary. But, you know, as long as you're being aware of those things, you know, you're you're on the right track. So congratulations. That's so great. I'm very happy for you. That's very great to hear. Um, you. you recently joined the Comic Watch team. I think you've been on the team for about like four or six months now or something like that. Yeah, I joined back in December. Um, actually, I have you to thank because I saw a, a either a TikTok or a Reel. And you oh, were yeah, like, yeah. hey, do you want to, do you like comics? And I was like, yes. And it was like, do you like reviewing them? And I was like, yes. And it was like, do you want to write like on comics? And I was like, yeah. You know, it was like one of those infomercials, you know, where like yeah. everything was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And sure enough, you know, I, I signed up and applied and, you know, emailed back and forth and, and here we are, you know. Oh, that's it's been, awesome. It's been fun. 
that that was probably one of my first videos I did for Comic Watch when they asked me to become the social media manager. And so that's really exciting to hear that one of the first videos we put out there, we got you and a couple other writers to join the team. So that's awesome. So yeah, how have you been cool. enjoying uh, writing for Comic Watch? Is it what you've been expecting it to be? Is it you know something completely different? What's been your experience with the team so far? Uh, I really liked it. The community is really great. Uh, I didn't realize just how, how big of a group it was, you know, until I joined it. Um, you know, just the sheer number of people on, on, on the chat, you know, that goes back and forth. I was like, wow, that's a lot of people on this thing. Yeah. Um, but overall, I, I, I've really liked it. Um, one thing I really appreciate is there's been a lot of freedom with, you know, being able to kind of pick more of the indie series. Uh, I typically tend mm-hmm. to lean more towards DC and indie. Um, I love Marvel. Don't get me wrong, but, um, I'll usually kind of dive into more indie stuff. And so being able to kind of read them early, review them and kind of share my thoughts has been, has been enjoyable. And then I, um, I've been trying to kind of write other articles as well. So most recently I, I wrote um, an article about the, the first black owned comic book store in Texas. Oh, um, that's right. Yeah. yeah. I remember so, you so talking really about fun. that. Yeah. 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 So, so that's actually my LCS uh, Gulf coast cosmos. They're, they're a really great group. Um, but it was just fun, you know, to, you know, pitch an idea to, to Matt, the editor, who's been great, um, and say, hey, you know, I want to write about something, and he's been very supportive. So I've loved it. My, I, I keep track of all my articles, and it's, it's getting kind of long, which I'm very excited about. You know, yeah. not a bad thing to have. Yeah, definitely. Well, and you know that there is a link where you can pull up on Comic Watch, and it'll bring up all of your articles that you've written so far, right? Definitely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. have all of them on my link tree, too. <laughs> oh, so good. So my friends – yeah, so one of my friends the other day was like scrolling through. He's like, "Man, you you've reviewed quite a bit of stuff." I'm like, "Yeah, I've got like <laughs> like 25 things written." I'm like, oh, "That's kind of surprising. I didn't realize I had that many." Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, because you know we do it. We try to um, do something weekly, right? And so it's either a review or a story. And I think that's one of the nice things about Comic Watch is that we have the standard content that we put out there. But anytime mm-hmm. we have an interesting story or idea, like the one that you had for the first black owned uh, comic shop in the U S um, you know, our team is usually, you know, really open to doing that because they want to be able to share anything that's related to comics or entertainment or anything like that, and just be able to put something out there. And so that's one of the great things about comic watch. And if anyone's listening or watching and they think that they might want to join and write for comic watch i will put a link in the show notes as well too so that way you can actually go straight to the application you'll fill it out then you'll hear from us i think it takes about a week for us to get back to people so you'll hear from us pretty quickly in that regard so Awesome. Well, thank you very much. So let's go ahead and talk about your comic book origin story. Every time I have a guest host on the show, I have to ask them what got them into comics. So for you, was it a person? Was it an event? Was it just by happenstance? How did you get started into comics? Uh, you know, I wasn't bitten by like a radioactive spider or anything, so I don't have like that cool of an origin story. Yeah. Uh, for me, it was, you know, uh, watching for a lot of people, Batman, the animated series. Mm-hmm. Um, that to me got me into Batman. As you can see behind me, I have a lot of Batman stuff. Yes. Um, in, but, the, in the uh, Batman toy as there, there as yeah. well too. I really enjoy that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but I, I, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed to also say, um, I absolutely loved the Ben Affleck daredevil movie. Um, I didn't realize <laughs> I did too. I did yeah, too. <laughs> it's, it's actually not that bad. And, and I like daredevil is probably one of the few Marvel characters that I actually love. Again, Marvel's oh my great, gosh, we're, we're besties me, now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love, I absolutely love Daredevil because at the time I actually was a um, camp counselor at the Lighthouse of Blind, 
uh, mm-hmm. here in Houston. And so, you know, I was talking to the kids about superheroes and they were like, yeah, you know, it would be really cool if there was a superhero that was blind. And I was like, wait a minute, there's a Ben Affleck movie coming out. <laughs> and I watched it and I was like, I really liked it. Yeah. Um, I, I did watch it the other day. It, eh, there's some elements that maybe don't hold up as much, but you I'm know, sure. Yeah. I'm a Ben Affleck guy, you know, <laughs> everything he does is great. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not ashamed to say that I, I do like that movie. I even have yeah. the director's cut on DVD and uh, oh my it, gosh. it actually makes more sense. Cause there's a whole side story with, uh, I think the rapper Coolio and never thought that would make the story better, but it kind of <laughs> does. I've heard that the director's cut is much better. And I think actually, you know, as we're talking, as we're talking about this, let me, um, you know, I, I know I'm knocking stuff around here and all that. Um, but I actually have this up here, the Daredevil DVDs. I just happened to come across that I still have from <laughs> when awesome. I bought them in high school when they came out. And I absolutely love it. I, I, but I've heard that the director's cut is what you need to watch because of all the things that you just shared. Um, and I know, you know, just like you said, it. I love it because I've always loved Daredevil, and that was the first time that we've seen Daredevil on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's some things that was a little bit maybe hokey, but at the same time, you know, I think they're when it came to those movies around that time, I think they were trying to bridge real, realism with comic book style. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, some of the choices that they made with that movie was um, trying to bridge those two, right? So, like, the leather suit, that that was something that, you know, I think, at the time, when you think about it, X-Men came out, they had the leather suits. And so yeah. leather was the thing, right? Like it, yeah. And it made sense, too, because leather tends to be a little bit more durable and reasonable and probably more believable in terms of what a superhero probably would have worn as yeah, part you know, of their biker outfit. Yeah, wear leather, right? Yeah, you know? Like, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, but I, I love hearing that. So, um, yeah, well, great. Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate that. Um so let's go ahead and start talking about the many deaths of Layla Starr. And let me go ahead and ask you, why did you choose for us to do a review on this book? Yeah. So um, for me, I I have always really felt that comics are for everyone. I know I put that in my bio. And, and the reason mm-hmm. why I say that is because I feel like, you know, oftentimes people think of capes and tights when it comes to comic books. Um, mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong. There are phenomenal stories with capes and tights stories. Mm-hmm. Um but I think there's just a whole grow, especially now, a whole growing indie boom of, you know, stories that are being written by, you know, different creators of color, um, different communities that maybe didn't have as much of a voice as before. And now they're having a whole, you know, explosion of stories that are basically opening up opportunities for people to have this wonderful experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the storytelling medium of comic books is just such a phenomenal tool because it's such a beautiful combination of words and art, you know? And so Mm -hmm. when you really have a focus on particular words in either dialogue or exposition and you match that with, you know, just the beauty of art in a panel, you know, you really have this entire experience that you really can't get anywhere else. And so part of the reason why I picked this story is because for me, it's one of the comics that if somebody were to say, look, I'm interested in getting into comics I'm not really into DC Marvel, you know, I'll watch the shows, but you know, I feel like there's so much history and, you know, explanation behind that, that I just don't really know where I'd want to get in. The Many mm-hmm. Deaths of Layla Starr um, is actually one of those books that I would recommend to somebody. Um, you know, and for me, it's, it's especially exciting because um, my wife's actually Indian, the writer's Indian, so my daughter's half Indian. 
Um, oh, and there you so, go. you know, being able to kind of have a comic that when she gets older, I could say, hey, you know, this is kind of a celebration of, you know, your culture and storytelling that links to that. Um, that's something that, to be completely honest, maybe even 10, 15 years ago, I really wouldn't have thought would have been a thing. And so mm-hmm. now that I've really gotten more into comics and again, with this kind of explosion of indie creators or, you know, creator owned content, it's just been amazing. So for me. There's that component. It's also just the many deaths of Layla Star is a really beautiful story. Mm-hmm. Um, I read it. I've probably read it like four times now. It's just that story I go back to. And so I felt like, hey, even if people have read it, they'll probably have something that, you know, they hear from this. that They're like, oh, yeah, I didn't think of that. Or if they haven't read it, it's a perfect opportunity to say, hey, you should check it out. Yeah, well, and I got to say, I'm really excited that you suggested this because for me, first of all, I have never read this book before. So when you mm-hmm. mentioned this, I was like, I have no idea what this book is. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that you and I have talked about is there's definitely a huge understanding of comics being related to superhero comics, but mm-hmm. there's also a huge library of comics that are not superhero related, right? And Definitely. The deaths, the many deaths of Layla Star is definitely one of those where it's not centered around a superhero. It's it's centered around mm-hmm. a particular character that we're going to get into um, here in this episode. Um, but if you're somebody that wants to get into comics and you don't want to get into a superhero comic or you want to kind of take a break from that, you want to get into something that is a really good story that's not centered around a superhero. This is definitely one of them. And this is a great book that we're going to get into here. And so I really am excited and appreciate and thank you for suggesting this one, because this is going to be a really good one for us to dive into. And, and I'm really excited about that. So yeah, definitely. Let's um, before we get into the synopsis and kind of talking about what the book is about, uh, what the story is about. This is going to be everyone's spoiler warning. So if you have not read this book series and you do not want this to be spoiled for you, this is your warning right now to go ahead and hit pause on this episode and save it for later. Go read the books. And then once you've read them and you're ready to come back and listen to this podcast or this you know YouTube video, however you're consuming this right now, come back and then watch it. But we're going to dive right into um, the many deaths of Layla Star, and we're going to go ahead and do a synopsis of the story. So there's your warning. Let's go ahead and start talking about giving a brief overview of what the story is about. So um, I'll be honest, this is going to be the first time I'm doing this on the show. So it'll be interesting to see how uh, Seth and I do this uh, pretty well. If we're able to knock this out of the park or by the end of it, we're just like, I don't even know if if this made any sense. So bear with us. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm glad you have faith in us. That's so great. Um, So let's go ahead and dive in and say that, you know, the story starts off um, with issue one. This is a a five issue series. Mm -hmm. And issue one starts off at this party in uh, Mumbai uh, where the graduating film class of a um, university in Mumbai are celebrating at this. Um, it looks like it's like either someone's um, apartment or, um, you know, some it's at a building that's a very high and everyone's enjoying themselves. You know, there's the typical college party that you expect in there. And then there is this woman named Layla Starr, who is one of the graduating students. And she looks like she's kind of, you know, sad or depressed or just not enjoying herself. And then all of a sudden what you see is she just kind of falls out the window. Um, What's interesting is that you know, afterwards, the um, the paramedics and everybody got statements from everybody that, that was at the party. Some people said that she jumped. Some people think that she tripped. But 
the artwork made it clear that she pretty much jumped because as she's falling, she doesn't have a sense of panic on her face. She still has a cigarette that was she's smoking from the party, like in her mouth mm-hmm. while she's falling. So she's still smoking as she's going down. Uh, and, um, and as she's going down and hitting the pavement, the story kind of shifts over to um, the goddess of death that is in, uh, and maybe Seth, you might have a better understanding of this, but you know, I'm, I'm assuming that they're in, you know, heaven or some divine plane uh, because death got called into uh, one of the other deities office to talk about her, you know, future at, in, in that realm, basically. Right. Yeah. So it's very, it's very loosely based on um, Hinduism and the gods right. within Hinduism. The good yes. thing is you don't need to know anything about the gods of Hinduism. And so, yes, right, yeah. it's, it's alluded that um, it's Kali, the goddess of death. Um, and she's talking to the equivalent of like the CEO. And so right. as you mentioned, you know, she gets, she gets called into the office um, you know, and that's where he starts talking to her about, you know, well, you know, we have to talk to you about kind of corporate stuff, which is really funny to me that, you know, you can't, you can't <laughs> escape this kind of corporate capitalism, even, even in, you know, this kind of afterworld. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so what he explains to her is, Hey, you know, um, we're letting you go, uh, yeah. which is obviously something people don't want to hear. And so of course, mm-hmm. as a goddess of death, she's like, how people die all the time every day. And he tells to her, well, uh, immortality is about to be solved. And so because of that, you're basically being laid off. And right. so when that happens, he decides to send her into the body of Layla Starr, the mm-hmm. girl who fell off the building. And so from there kind of continues the story. Um, right. And so, you know, that's kind of how it kicks off. Yeah. Yeah. And and the way that issue ends and there's a lot of, you know, comical things that kind of happens in between. Um, but the way that the issue ends is that um, when she gets sent down to Layla Starr's body, um, mm-hmm. she pretty much is resurrected. Like Layla Starr is resurrected by the fact that death is in her body. Right. Because she is already in the hospital. They already pronounced her dead. The 20 minutes later, she comes back alive. And Layla Star is alive again. And so she's basically trying to find the child that is supposed to solve immortality later on um, in his life. And so she finds the the baby that is in the same hospital she is. And she's a goddess of death. So she thinks that this is going to be easy. But as a human being, when she holds the baby and is like trying to end its life, she says, I, I just can't do it. And mm-hmm. so what happens is when... Um, when she's in there with, in, you know, the the NICU or or wherever she's at, where all the other babies are at, um, mm-hmm. the other staff at the hospital finds her and say, oh, there she is. Go get her. You know, why does she have a baby? So she runs out and runs away. But as she's running away from the hospital, she actually runs right in front of a truck and gets killed again. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> Layla Starr, like, dies twice in one day. And everyone talks about how it's an unfortunate incident. Um, and then the issue ends with... Um, her kind of coming back to life like eight years later. And this is a really pivotal point about the whole series is because every issue actually ends with her um, dying in some sort of way. And then she wakes up a little bit further. And there's a purpose for that because every time she wakes up, it kind of gets into a milestone of the child's life who is supposed to solve immortality. Um, and that person is Darius Shaw is his name. Yes. And, and there's, there's after, and like I said, it's it's centered around these monumental moments. And so um, in issue two, uh, Darius is uh, eight years old 
and he mm-hmm. has this relationship with somebody um, that works for his family. His family, from what I understand, is a very wealthy family. And so he has a gardener that he ha- develops a friendship with named uh, Bardon. Mm-hmm. And um, what's interesting about this is that we talk about how this book is definitely um, you know, an Indian book, and it's definitely centered around Hinduism. But I think this kind of signs light on how the um, – I think this is kind of like how the caste system might work or at least kind of a reflection on that. Is, is that right, Seth? Yeah. I mean, I think from my understanding, you know, there are still socioeconomic differences within the country. And so this kind of was right. a commentary on that. Um, right. Kind of, you know, the the boy Darius, as you mentioned, becomes friends with Bardum, you know, but that's obviously not allowed because, you know, even right. though it's, it's a completely innocent thing where he's just, you know, completely in, sh- in shock and awe of this giant man who's gentle but also a giant and like mm-hmm. who gar- who takes care of the garden and he sees him very much as this kind of caretaker because he's not from essentially their you know economic status he's right. not allowed to essentially be friends with him right and so you know that's one thing that is interesting because it's kind of that life lesson that he's having to learn throughout the story um, that's mm. primarily focused on death but this kind of being that he's having to learn that life story also about the other elements and tragedies of life, such as you're not allowed to interact with certain people, you know, if, if you're raised that way, even though he doesn't understand it and, and rejects it, you know, for him, he's like, no, that's not, that's not right. Right. Yeah. And his parents keep telling him that it's inappropriate for them to do things. Like I think he wanted to give them a gift or something like that. They said, Mm -hmm. no, you can't do that. It's inappropriate. And then you find out later that Bardon passes away, I think from cancer or something like that. And his Mm -hmm. daughter goes to the family and is trying to ask them to, I I, I can't remember if they're asking for money to help cover the funeral costs or something like Mm -hmm. that. Um, But same thing, you know, Darius wanted to go and his parents tell him that it wouldn't be appropriate for them to attend. Um, so against, you know, what his parents say, he goes to the funeral and then Layla is there, you know, just by happenstance. He didn't know that Darius was going to be there, but she's there with uh, Ka the funeral crow. And so they have a really fun and interesting conversation there. Um, but the whole you know premise is that they talk to each other and then she doesn't realize she's talking to Darius until someone you know says his name or something like that. And then she's trying to find him in the crowd because he had ran away into the funeral. And then in that process, he... Uh, she drowns, which is mm-hmm. still kind of unclear to me. It looks like like it's not drowning in a natural way, but it looks like there's these um, almost like elemental or deities that's pulling her into the water and, and kills her that way. Yeah. Um, so so um, from my understanding, what they do is they cremate the bodies. Mm-hmm. Those ashes are then put into a river. And okay. so as the goddess of death, all of those souls are essentially still connected to the water. And so it's kind of their oh, revenge and okay. they pull her under because they're like, well, you're the goddess of death. We're dead. Hey, here's an opportunity. And they drag her under. Um, that makes kind of a lot of sense now. Again, yeah. It's a whole <laughs> celebration of life and death. And yet here she is again dying, you know, yeah. and it's because, you know, she's getting pulled under by the very people she's killed. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that makes a lot of sense now. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so when she gets killed and drowned, she wakes up again 12 years later. And, and every time she wakes up, it's because the the life deity, like her counterpart basically, mm-hmm. is resurrecting her. She's not supposed to be resurrected. She's supposed to live her 
remaining life as a mortal. And so when she dies, she's supposed to die, but life keeps bringing her back and making these deals with the other deities to bring her back. So this time it's 12 years later after that instance, she wakes up, life is there and kind of tells her, you know, what's happened since then. Mm -hmm. So that goes into the next issue where uh, Layla meets Darius at a party and they just have this conversation. And I can't remember. I think she knows it's Darius at that point, but she's just talking to him. And at that point, Darius had just lost his best friend and his Mm -hmm. girlfriend breaks up with him. I think at that same party right before they started talking mm-hmm. and, and so it talks about how that has impact, both of those things impact. So we're talking about an actual death of somebody close to him, how that's impacting him, but also this kind of death that we experience in life that is not mortality necessarily, but just a, um, you know, a heartbroken memory or heartbroken instance that, you know, the girlfriend breaks up with him, that he's kind of going through this sadness and this sort of pseudo death that we kind of go through in those, you know, cornerstone of part of our lives of having those moments that, you know, makes up humanity basically. Right. So when that happens, they have this conversation and then um, he leaves the party and somehow that apartment goes up in flames and I believe it's because Layla like passed out there at that party. She was smoking a cigarette. The cigarettes will actually lit the apartment on fire. That's how she dies. And Mm -hmm. then that issue ends with her waking up 16 years later. Right. Yeah. Um, So the next issue is she wakes up and she goes to this Buddhist temple. And this is kind of a change from what we've seen before, because usually when she uh, wakes up and she starts interacting with Darius, she's interacting with him directly. But this time, this is kind of a change of she's interacting and talking to a temple um, as opposed to, you know, the crow or things like that. And she learns a little bit about how the temple is connected to this person named Wei, who is a Buddhist. um, And he's like one, I think one of the remaining Buddhists um, in the area, because again, this is in India, um, but Wei is from Southeast China, if I remember and mm-hmm. a lot of people were brought over there, but he's one of the remaining people who practice Buddhism and goes to that temple. And so they have that strong connection. So they talk about that. Right. Um, and then Layla goes, meets with Darius. And then Seth, do you want to talk about what happens there when, when she meets with Darius as an adult at this point? Yeah. And this whole time, uh, as she's come back, it's essentially the same age. Right. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. even though Darius is getting older, um, Layla still kind of that 20 something year old individual. And so when she goes to Darius and talks with him, um, he knows who she is. Like at this point, Mm -hmm. obviously he doesn't remember her when she was a baby, when he was a baby. But, you know, when he was, you know, eight years old, he remembers meeting her at the beach. When Mm -hmm. he was at the party, he remembers seeing her again. And she looks familiar. And there's that moment where he's like, I kind of know who you are, but I don't. Um, And now that he's older, he's also bitter because he's, again, he's going to be the discoverer of immortality right Mm -hmm. and so at this point he's older he's already kind of had his progress in the scientific community um you know in terms of kind of what he's going to find he hasn't discovered immortality yet um but unfortunately he has uh lost his wife so he only has Mm -hmm. his son and so again this is now the additional time where he's experienced death and layla shows up and so right. he's absolutely furious with her. He yells at her. Um, you know, he's he's obviously very frustrated because for him, like, she just brings about death. But the irony is that she's not actually doing it. She's just showing up when it happens. And right. so he, he knows who she he knows 
not that she's the goddess of death, but he knows that essentially she's connected to it somehow. And mm-hmm. so it kind of motivates him to stop her. And he even makes a comment, you know, like, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep this from happening again. And so right. that's kind of where that issue wraps up. Um, except this time when she dies, she goes back to the temple, very upset, because obviously, you know, he berated her and he was very mad at her. And so, you know, she hadn't experienced that. And she's, as the goddess of death, she's truly coming to terms with, you know, what it is to be immortal, to experience loss and what that loss looks like for other humans. Mm-hmm. And so when she goes to the temple, unfortunately, this giant storm comes in, washes away the entire temple, and that's where she dies, and that's where that issue ends. Right, yes. And, and that's, that's um, and just like you said, it's a really bittersweet moment for Layla because just as you said, this is the first time where she realized the gravity of the impact of death on mortals. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because Darius had not found a solution to immortality yet until this moment happens. So the thing that she's trying to stop happening, she's actually the motivation for her as a person, not so much her as the idea of deity, but her as Layla star ends up being the motivation for him to try to solve immortality at that point. Right. So, yeah. So it ends uh, with her dying with the temple being, you know, fled out and and way had died as well too. When, when the comic book, um, when issue number four started out, we find out that way had passed away, you know, later on that day or something like that. And so the temple goes away, uh, Layla passes away and then she wakes up 28 years later, which at this point that makes Darius around 64 years old. Right. Mm -hmm. So the last issue of the story opens up with a girl finding a dog near death with a broken leg. She takes the dog to the crazy old man in town that um, she said that, you know, if there is something that needs to be fixed when it comes to animals, uh, everybody takes it to this person. Turns out it's Darius. Darius is the person that, you know, he always says he will always try to um, save whatever it's, but it's always has to be animals. It can never be humans. Mm -hmm. And so when that happens, Layla shows up at the house to meet with him. And then he, uh, then she tells him her story eventually and says that, um, you know, the whole reason why she's been meeting with him is because she's trying to stop him from solving immortality. And then he reveals to her that he actually found out a long time ago yeah. how to solve immortality. But when he solved it, he decided to put it away and just experience life because at that moment he had given so much of his life to try to solve this, that he ended up being isolated from his son. His son, you know, wouldn't talk to him anymore because he basically stopped talking to his son. He put his whole life into this, that he stopped living essentially. So when he finally solves immortality, he goes out and lives for that one day and realizes what it means to be human. And that part of the meaning of being human is the fact that, life comes with death and that's what gives it meaning basically. So he has this, you know, he has a formula, he knows how to solve it, but he put it in a shoebox and, and puts it away. And so he tells Layla that pretty much his time is coming to an end, that he's going to be passing away in like the next four or six months. He finally calls his son his, and tells him what happens. His son comes back home and he's there uh, while um, Darius passes away. But he tells Layla where she can find the formula to immortality and basically tells her, do with it what you will. And so Layla shows up at the beach with life and basically they have this whole conversation and she decides to um, send the formula for immortality out into the ocean for it to be lost forever. But not because she wants to stop um, immortality from happening, but she realizes that this is a necessary part 
of life. And so she doesn't even go back that we've seen as her um, deity as death back into the you know divine plane. She stays there on Earth with her counterpart life and kind mm-hmm. of lives out her day there, basically. So so. So that's the story, and hopefully we summarize it for everybody pretty well. Um, I think you know that was by about ten minutes, but yeah, that's essentially the whole story, basically. So, yeah. um, I'm going to sidetrack us a little bit, um, Seth, but I wanted to let you know that before this episode, I was trying to put out some of the talking points, of the summary for this, and again, I'm trying to figure out a way to condense this because I don't want to be you know take it too long. But everybody's been hearing about the new AI tool called ChatGPT, right? Mm-hmm. Have you used this tool at all before? <laughs> you know, I have to uh, to play around with it a bit. I forgot what I what I looked up. Um, oh, I asked it to come up with like a good schedule to like try to manage time, and it gave me like this really detailed like timeline and like down to the minute. And I was like, this is overwhelming. Um, <laughs> it's a really cool tool. Um, yeah, but yeah, I I. I feel like it's something that's, you know, definitely coming along. Um, I've heard there's a lot of uses for it. I get TikToks on it all the time of, you know, yeah. hey, here's how you can use ChatGPT. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going to find a purpose for it one day. I don't know yet, though. But yeah, it's, well, it's exciting. Yeah. And I thought when I was working on this um, episode, I thought maybe ChatGPT can actually reduce some time for me by telling me um, how, you know, how to summarize this, you know, a little mm-hmm. bit succinctly. So, I went over to chat GPT and gave it the question. Um, give me an issue by issue summary of the comic series, the many deaths of Layla star. That, that's what I gave him. Okay. The first paragraph was pretty spot on. It says the many deaths of Layla star is a five issue comic book series written by Ram V and illustrated by Felipe Andrade. Uh, the series was published by boom studios from April to August, 2021 spot on. Right. Then it says, here's an issue-by-issue summary of the series. It says, issue one, The Offer. Now, I can't remember if that's the actual name of the issue, but later on it says something like issue number two, The Replacement. Issue number three, The Confrontation. These are not the actual titles of those issues, at least not the ones that that I read. Yeah. So issue number one says, the first issue introduces Layla Starr, a woman who has lived for thousands of years and is tired of immortality. She works as a clerk in the Mumbai Death Registry Office and is approached by Death himself with an offer to become the new Death and end her endless cycle of rebirth. But to do so, Layla must find a suitable replacement for herself. Not at all what happens in the story. Um, and then later on, the second issue says, Layla sets out to find a suitable replacement for herself. Of course, she's not doing that. Meeting with various individuals who had come close to death but were ultimately spared. That didn't happen. <laughs> she eventually settles on a young boy named Mir, M-I-R, which there is no Mir in the story <laughs> at all, um, who she believes is potential for the next death. Issue three, Layla and Mir confront the current death. <laughs> <laughs> who is reluctant to give up his power. Layla engages in a battle with death and emerges victorious, taking on the mantle of death herself. Like <laughs> this is wow. I know this is just so, so off base. So it, it was really interesting. It's, it's, this is the first time I've used chat GPT. Um, so obviously in terms of comics, it has a long ways to go. I yeah. don't know how it got the overall summary, right. But then the issue by issue is completely wrong. 
no idea how that happened. So if you're worried about chat GPT or, or Skynet or anything like that, I think we are pretty safe. But for me, unfortunately, I can't use chat GPT to help me with these podcasts. Yeah, episodes. and, 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 and here, here we go with the, with, the, with the shameless plug. See, that's why you guys need to go to Comic Watch to get all your issue <laughs> reviews. Because if exactly. you go to chat GPT, it's going to completely butcher. Right. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's exactly right. So, yeah, that's why you want to check us out. <laughs> um, so before we dive into our overall thoughts about the series, uh, I want to share what some of the listeners' thoughts are about uh, the mini deaths of Layla Star. Um, from Twitter, Anthony Bergamini at Antman0052, who's also a comic watch writer, says this book is a fantastic exploration of death from a perspective that's outside of a Western slash European influence. Um, also from Twitter, Chris Evans at that Chris Evans zero says i adore this book it was really the first indie title that caught my attention and showed me that these books could be just as good if not better than the standard superhero fair which i completely agree this is a mm-hmm. fantastic book uh the story is beautiful and emotional with some unique top-notch art it truly hits on every level and then in our discord server for Illuminacasters, and again if you're interested in joining i'll put the link in the show notes as well too joe loves comics said the book has such lush flowing poetic writing that makes it such a compelling and delightful Delightful read with beautiful art and deep emotional moments that make it incredibly fascinating to read uh, through as the book goes on, especially how it explores the di- idea of life, death, mortality, and what that all means each issue. Well worth all the praise and a read if anyone has it already. These are all spot on reviews. I completely agree with what everybody says here. Um, Seth, your overall thoughts about the book, about the, the writing, the artwork, you know, anything that you haven't touched on yet um, that you want to share about just the series as a whole. Yeah. I mean, I think one thing I, I, I really appreciate is it, it's a complete story. There is a little bit of ambiguity there kind of with the ending. Um, mm-hmm. But that's kind of the whole point is immortality really isn't the main topic of the book. It's kind of what you do with life. And it, it's, you know, it's kind of that cliche of, you know, take every, every day at a time, every moment's, you know, sacred and special. And, you know, those, those are cliches for a reason, but, you know, it's kind of that reminder of like, ev- and, and there's even a quote in there, like every heartbeat you you take is a rejection of death. And right. I absolutely love that. Um, I love the fact that, you know, it, it talks about death, which can be so morbid and, and, you know, obviously very traumatic and, and an awful thing, but mm-hmm. again, death can't exist without life. And so what does that life look like? How do you, how do you celebrate it? How do you, you know, experience it and cherish it? And, and focus kind of on the actual living and not just trying to escape death. Um, because the thing is, is as we saw with, with Darius, you know, he spent his whole life trying to fight death. And, and the cruel irony is his life was awful. You know, he, mm-hmm. he, he had a solution and he realized it wasn't worth it, you know. And, and yes, you know, obviously death is, again, traumatic. But, you know, just kind of focusing on what, what makes life great. Um, you know, and just kind of that celebration of it, I think for me is, it's just astounding. And and every time I read it, I kind of take something away from it, kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, just depending on the mindset I'm in, you know, when I read it again, you know, for us to talk about it, um, you know, especially now as a new dad, I think about, you know, okay, I have to think about this little life, you know, that I'm responsible for, you know, how do I make sure to appreciate every moment every day as, as my, as my daughter's, you know, before in front of my eyes, you know, she's, she's twice as big. She's, she's sitting up now. And I'm just like, you know, I have to 
allow myself and remind myself to pause and remember those moments. And, you know, again, this is why I love comic books so much is you can't really get this kind of story somewhere else. You know, you you could get the synopsis of the story, but Mm -hmm. just this is meant for the reader to experience it and get what they what they can from it, maybe what they need from it. You know, that's that's definitely something I, I love about it. Right. No, I, I completely agree. And I think um, when you were talking about how it had some of those quotes in there, that that was an issue five, the final issue of the story mm-hmm. arc. And correct me if I'm wrong, are those passages from the Bhagavad Gita that they pulled in or is that from something else? Do you know? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure on that one, actually. Yeah. And it was really interesting because we haven't seen that in any of the previous issues, but it's like how Darius is going through some of these really profound reflections on his life that these passages kind of show up in there um, that corresponds with what's going on. So I, I thought the writing was very well done because just as you said, it it's definitely a reflection of life and death and how we give meaning to both of those. And you can't really have one without the other, but I also appreciate how it wasn't just talking about death as a mortality life ending event, but also things that happens in life that is kind of what I call like a pseudo death, basically. Mm -hmm. Correct. It's, it's something that happens to us that, um, has a negative impact or, you know, is a death of the soul, basically of something Mm -hmm. that happens, whether it's, you know, someone else's death or some sort of action that happens that, you know, makes part of us die a little bit on the inside. And I think that's what the writing does. It, it juxtaposes those things in a lot of those critical moments in Darius's life for us to look at, not just um, from someone who's dying. So, for example, in issue two, it wasn't just his best friend dying. That was the gardener, but it's also just like what we talked about him realizing that there is this um, unjust world that he's living in and that he can't, you know, just have fun and be with his friend because of some of the infrastructures that life has placed between them. Right. And so every issue not just looks at someone who has died, but what has happened in that life of his that has also kind of killed the soul a little bit as well too. And so that's what I really love about the writing with this. The artwork um, was also very good. It's really interesting because it's not the kind of artwork that you see. It has a lot of the realism in there, but it's a lot of pastel colors. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also a lot of um, symbolism and what I say, like contortions of the body to kind of give more of a, not a, a realistic physical presence or representation of the person, but more of an embellish what that person kind of resembles for the eye of the beholder, basically. So yeah. going back to, to Badran, Badran had like a really long, lanky, unproportional body in some of the panels, not in all of them, but there's some things when he's working in the garden, he has like very long torso, very long arms. That's not, human at all by whatsoever but i think it gives the idea of just how he was greater than or bigger than life mm-hmm. for darius and so the artwork i think really does a great job of trying to represent between the mortal and divine planes of not just what we see physically but also spiritually in these people and i thought the artwork just did a phenomenal job of representing that yeah and it's definitely it i feel like it does a good job at being um you know, very minimal when it needs to focusing yes. on the colors, allowing the colors to kind of take precedent with the line work, kind of giving you an understanding of what you're looking at. Um, mm-hmm. Like for example, right on the first page, it's, it's a whole splash of, of what I imagine is Mumbai. Um, 
and, right. and there's not like a there's enough detail where it's impressive, of course, but it's also just minimal enough that you're really appreciating the colors and the tones and kind of that gradient combination between it. Um, that 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 first page in itself is just like really beautiful. And it's, just, right. it's just a city, you know. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, yeah. So those are overall thoughts. Let's let's talk about a like, key or favorite moment of ours from the comic. Um, what for you? In this whole five issue run, what was a favorite moment of yours or key moment for you that you said, you know, this is a moment that really makes up the story arc for you? I think for me, um, issue five really ties everything together. Um, I thought one thing I I thought was hilarious is how the answer to immortality is kept in shoebox. Mm -hmm. You know, he didn't keep it in a bank vault. He didn't write it down (laughs) and store it in some, you know, fancy journal. He put it. And God knows what, and then put that in a shoebox and then tuck that away into a closet. And right. I, and I kind of love that, you know, that, that kind of talking about a heavy subject of life and death, but mm. also kind of giving that kind of lightness to it, you know, like again, immortality is just in a shoebox. Um, and I love the fact that, that Darius just thought it was so funny that this whole time Layla has been trying to stop him and she missed her window. You know, mm-hmm. like she completely missed it. And he's like, yeah, I already did it. Like, and that to me, I thought was just, you know, really funny about it is because that's kind of the whole point. They're, they're supposed to go on their respective paths and, you know, learn to either appreciate life or appreciate death. Um, you know, and that's kind of the whole point of it is like that lesson along the way and kind of what you take from it. And so for me, I, I just thought, you know, issue five, just, I absolutely love that part. Um, again, just the shoebox I thought was hilarious. Yeah. Well, and for me, it, it's kind of the same thing. Cause what I hear you saying is that the shoebox with the immortality formula in there mm-hmm. is, you know, when we think of things that we really value, we usually think about it being in some sort of secure vault or something that um, has, you know, a, a huge, clearly huge value or, um, you know, maybe something that's a little bit more glamorous than just a shoebox. For me, issue four is kind of like that, where we get the death of Wei and Temple. Um, but this is, again, this is the first time where death is interacting with an object as some sort of representation of life and death, basically. Because all the issues before and then the issue five, there wasn't an object that she was really interacting with that represents mm-hmm. that. But for me, I think this was really... Uh, profound because we always think about life being something more organic or, you know, comes with animals or humans, especially when we think about death as well, too. Um, but life and death can also go beyond some of those physical representations. It can be mm-hmm. an object and not just a living being in that sense as well, too. So when something, you know, gets destroyed and there's a death of some sort of physical thing. Maybe it's um, a monument or something um, that is, you know, stand the, you know, the test of time for like four or 500 years. And then it gets brought down like this temple here. Right. Or it could be some sort of artifact that uh, somebody has. It's really important to them that they end up losing, you know, those things I think was really profound and that life and death kind of goes beyond just, beings but also physical representations and how the temple being personified 
as an extensive way is how objects are in our you know daily lives as well too and that we all have something that we kind of hold on to ourselves that is a physical representation or meaning of something that we love or cherish or things like that mm-hmm. right like for example we have um we've had two dogs that passed away like the last two years and it's been really hard on on our family um yeah. especially the one dog that's really beloved uh by my son and we still have artifacts of him that we keep because that's kind of a memory that we have of, of that um, of that pet. And, and that's just how I think the temple is kind of like a great representation of that, because up until this point, we didn't really see that it's all in people. But then we have like the physical object that also personifies that. Um, Seth, for you in this story arc, what's something that you wish the author or the artist would have done differently? So uh, that's actually kind of a challenge. I, I don't really feel like there was a lot that I found like I didn't really find any problems with it right um, I think one of the the challenges for me was kind of I think around issue three it started feeling just a little formulaic um, mm-hmm. and I think it's kind of part of this story was released in five issues so it took place obviously over five months um, and I do think this is one of those stories that does read better from beginning to end back to back to back um, right. And so for me, by issue three, I think that's where I felt like the pacing was kind of getting a little bogged down. I understand the purpose of, you know, talking about Darius's life when he was a little bit older and kind of that pivotal moment. But by that time, I was like, OK, you know, she comes back, she meets Darius, she dies again. I'm like, all right, you know, what what's how is issue four going to be different? And that's kind of like what you mentioned. I liked how issue four, the way in which she dies is, is very different. Her interaction with Darius is very different. Right, um, and so I feel like that kind of middle ground was where I felt like it was a little weaker. But again, I, I, I like this book so much; I don't really have a lot of a lot of complaints about it. Right? Yeah. No, and I understand because I think you know, just like you said, issue one, issue two, issue three kind of follow that same formula. And you know, when it when it comes to Hinduism, you know, they they talk about you know the cycles of life that mm-hmm. happens there, and I think that that was a little bit symbolic with that. And then, just like you said, issue four kind of breaks up that formula, um, and so yeah, that ma- that makes a lot of sense for, for yeah. me. Um, you know, same thing with you. I, I didn't have a whole lot that I thought they would have changed or like to see change. The only thing that I kept asking myself is I wanted to know more about how and why. Layla kept getting brought back. Like I, I know life was responsible for doing that, but it wasn't quite clear to me why he was doing that. Right. Like he, like we know that he was doing it because death is trying to, you know, stop immortality from happening, but it wasn't clear to me why death was doing that other than he just has this, you know, lifelong partnership with her um, or why it was those kind of years, because those years, uh, you know, it, it was it was formulaic in terms of, you know, it was eight years and 12 years and then, you know, uh, 26 years or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I was really curious to know, you know, why it was those long intervals and why it was kept getting longer and longer. And there was an, an issue where he said, you know, every time he went back to the deities to kind of make a deal with them, you know, every time they were, you know, less and less happy about it. But somehow he still convinced them. I. I just I wanted to know more of the background behind that in terms of did it take a long time for them to resurrect somebody, you know, and mm-hmm. that why was it so long in between? Um and, and I get it's kind of a plot device a little bit because it's trying to center it around these critical moments around somebody's life. But I think 
it would have been great to know what was kind of the rationale on that other end rather than we're doing this so it fits into the person's life in there. So that, that's my only criticism. But at the end of the day, it doesn't take away from the story. So I, I'm with you. It, it's kind of hard to find something. But I know that was something that kept popping my mind is I, I want to know more as to how and why, you know, these intervals, why, you know, she kept getting brought back to life, yada, yada. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point. Uh, ironically, I guess the whole bureaucracy of the system, you know, you bring up a good point. I didn't even think of that. You know, how how exactly does that function? You know, how how would mm-hmm. how did Ron V think of, you know, if if life was having to kind of make deals with someone, what kind of deals was he having to make? What are the expectations? You know, are they the ones determining the years? You know, so right. yeah, you bring up a good point. I feel like that's <laughs> somewhere that you know maybe there could have been a little bit of explanation of that, even just a few panels. That probably right. would have been good because you're right. It, it's so interesting at the beginning that, you know, you see you see Death going to the top floor mm-hmm. with the head honcho. The head mm-hmm. honcho has an assistant. Life is one of the, the employees. Death is one of the employees, you know, and the whole process is very corporate So, like, how does that how does that structure work? How is it supposed to? So, yeah, I think that's, that's a very good point. Yeah, see, now, now I'm bummed. I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't shatter that glass ceiling for you. <laughs> um. Let's let's end this with another key moment for us for the comic. What what was another key moment for you or, or something pivotal for the story arc that you really resonated with the with the story? I think um, the other thing that that I really loved about the book, aside from the overall message and like the many different themes behind it, um, again goes back to issue five. I loved that Darius was, and I feel like it was kind of implied, was only saving animals. Which, right. if you think about it, animals are like animals and babies. Basically, like are like the most innocent things out there, mm-hmm. right? Their 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 whole mindset is basically like they're living, they're existing, and his his whole you know house is filled with like cats and dogs, and everybody knows take the sick animal to him. Um, and I felt like it was kind of implied that he was only using immortality for that purpose. Um, but he wasn't going to admit it that he actually was using it. Um, (laughs) but I absolutely love that, you know, he was taking care of animals and his whole place was filled with them. You know, and just the fact that it's like this, like, Oh, you know, you have the the crazy cat lady and now you have the crazy, (laughs) you know, guy who who saves all of them and you don't know why they have so many. And, and I thought that was kind of a fun play on that is, you know, his whole place is just filled with them. That to me, I thought was it was, was really funny and, and kind of a, oh, yeah, he's going to use it. He's just not going to really tell you. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is that was also maybe for 50 percent my favorite moment as well, too, because I I wanted to bring up not only that with um, with Dar- where Darius is at, but just like we talk about is how animals and babies are, um, you know, represent that innocence of life. And I think that little girl is also that representation of the mm-hmm. innocence of life and how. The start of issue five, that is the ending issue of the story arc, starts off with that innocence of life, which is what started this whole story to begin with, yeah. is the birth of, of Darius, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think it shines a really interesting light on coming back to how life, we start off in there being innocent and how we want to kind of go back to that innocence and that cycle starts again. And again, this is based around uh, the, the Hindu faith and 
not that it's unique to Hinduism by any means, but Hindu um, Hinduism des- definitely does. And let me kind of preface this by saying that I'm not an expert on Hinduism. I'm not a practicing Hindu at all um, and never really practiced it, but I have taken a couple courses on it. So I kind of know a couple of things. Um, so it's not just something I'm just assuming here. This is a, a, I took a couple of philosophy courses about Asian uh, philosophies and we study, you know, Hinduism. We actually read the Bhagavad Gita and, and everything. Um, so I know a couple of things, but um, the thing with Hinduism is that it definitely kind of hits home about how life is a cycle of things. And mm-hmm. I love how this story reflects that on both a religious but secular way in terms of how life is a big cycle. If we start innocent, we live life not very you know innocent that we learn the hard core truths and experience death on multiple levels and then by the end of life, we tried to go back to that innocence of life that we start off with as when we were children. So I agree. I absolutely love that issue five and, and how they kind of focus on that idea of that theme in the whole series. And that's how they end it. Um, yeah. So that is the many deaths of Layla star. Um, before we wrap up this episode, we always like to talk about the comics that we're reading. So what I'm going to do first is I'm going to share what some of our community members are reading. And then once I've shared that, um, Seth and I are going to share our own books that we're going to be reading as well, too. So um, to start off with, let's talk about um, I'm going to share what Comic Watch members have shared with me on um, the current comics that they're reading. So Tyler Davis said that um, they might dive into Ann uh, Nocenti's Daredevil this week or give Sandman a reread, have an itch for older comics right now. And those two are grabbing my attention. And then um Excuse me. Uh, Chad Burdett, who's our content manager, said not a comic per se, but started act three of Audible's The Sandman, really dinging it. And we'll have to read the actual comic series. Matt Meyer, who is our editor in chief, said Doctor Strange by Roger Stern, which I'm glad that's all he said because he said anything more. I would have dropped that because, as everybody knows, I'm not a Doctor Strange fan. Uh, (laughs) Gabrielle Dezu said Boys Run the Riot, volume one by Kato uh, Gaku. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that name correctly, so I apologize. Um, but Gabriel said it was really good and approached the me being uh, trans in a natural but almost introductory way. Characters are fun and engaging. Plot is interesting. I merely ordered the rest of the series. And then B-Rats uh, said the post-Infinite Crisis DC universe of books, of which I have an up, all, an almost ungodly amount. Uh, some of the biggest thumbs are uh, thumbs up are the Busiek, uh, John Superman, uh, Teen Titans, Justice League of America, Green Lantern books, and Justice Society of America. Uh, John's was at his peak here. And then our Discord server, uh, Matt Martin from the Panel to Panel podcast said, a few of the fun ones from this past week was Strange 1, just finished clear from the Comixology original by Scott Snyder and Francis Manipole, Wolverine and Black Cat, Claws mini run. And then Ken from the ODPH podcast said uh, they're reading the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 by Parrot and Mora from Boom Studios. Two fandoms coming together and delivering on one hell of an adventure. And then on Twitter, we have um, at Bizarro Fett said this week, One Bad Day, Raz al Ghul was my favorite comic. I'm a sucker for Tom Taylor. And he freaking nailed this story. And Ivan uh, Ivan Rees uh, absolutely killed it, too. And then Pop Culture Productions said Radiant Red, Rogue Sun, Supermassive 
of Irradiant Black Volume 3. Getting myself caught up a bit. Love the universe that they are building. And the only downside so far is some of the panels of Radiant Red. Uh, often Satomi looked like a child is what they um, had um, is the only downside that they said for that. So um, all those things that were said, Seth, was there anything that stuck out to you as something that you thought was really interesting or you agreed with or anything like that from what yeah, people are reading? So, uh, well, first of all, it's, it's weird. In my opinion, Daredevil has never had a bad run. Um, <laughs> so whoever, whoever is reading, going back and reading a previous run, I mean, you can't go wrong with that. Uh, Clear. I know that's a Scott Snyder comicsology original. Um, I enjoyed that one. It, it felt very Blade Runner-esque. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of that mixture of, you know, uh, augmented reality, artificial intelligence, very sci-fi-y. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely one that uh, when I read it, I thought it was enjoyable. Um, and, yeah, the, the Radiant Black series has been really fun. I think I've only gotten to volume three. Um, mm-hmm. At this point, it's one of those series I'm like, I'm just going to wait for an omnibus to come out so I yeah. can just fly through the whole thing. Um, right. And I'm just waiting for them to make a TV show of it because it's definitely very much like what what a what a true Power Rangers fan could make their own series without it feeling Power Ranger esque. Right. So I, I I love that. So yeah, those, those are some great selections, but those are the three that definitely stood out to me. Yeah, and I agree, Daredevil. Um there's only one run that I was kind of eh, okay with, but even then I would still read it. So I agree mm-hmm. with you that a lot of the Daredevil runs have been really spot on. Um, in terms of the massive verse that pop culture production was talking about, I haven't read those books, but I just started reading no one. And it's a fantastic series. I absolutely love. I don't know if they're connected to the other ones. I think it is since people have been talking about the massive verse, but I, I might be getting that confused um, because I know that's a little bit newer to me and that actually Kim from ODPH podcast had uh, mentioned that to me. Um, but the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, uh, Teenage Mutant Turtle crossover, I actually just got the trade paperback collection for the first series mm-hmm. and started picking up the um, single issues for the second series. And the only reason why I did that is because I saw the variant cover of uh, Kevin Eastman and Freddie Williams and what they did with Raphael and the Green Power Ranger. Mm-hmm. And the cover alone, I was just like, that looks fantastic. I love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's one of my favorite properties. I grew up with Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, so it's not a comic book that I subscribe to, but I watch the show and it has a special place in my heart. Um, oh, yeah. The crossover never really interested me, but when I saw that variant cover, it piqued my interest. And just that alone, I said... I got to go and read this now, even if I end up reading all of it and decided that it was not worth my time. <laughs> at least I got the cover that I really enjoyed and, and started collecting the, the Eastman Williams um, uh, variant covers. But, you know, I, I've heard nothing but great things about that crossover as well, too. So I'm, I'm not concerned about that at all. So thank you to everybody who uh, shared what they're reading this week. Seth, what are you currently reading? So I actually just finished uh, The Last Ronin. Um, oh yeah how'd you like that oh it was it was great i won't go to spoilers but um (laughs) it's 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 been on my reading list that that really long reading list for the longest time and i finally was like you know what i'm gonna take a minute i'm just gonna read it and it was awesome absolutely loved it i thought it was great i know the lost years have just come out i think issue two just got released so yes i'm gonna have to go find them um and then uh aside from that like i mentioned i'm trying to read detective comics from the very beginning to yeah. current, which has been a, a very, a very big feat. Um, Batman's kind of different, kind of, kind of douchey in his early years. Um, so that's, that's been a fun experience. And then uh, aside from that, I just got the omnibus for a bitter root. 
So I'm uh-huh. going to try to try to read through that because um, I, I read the first two volumes and they were great. So I'm excited to see the, the whole series and its completion. Nice. Yeah. You know, the, the last run is always going to have a special place in my heart because that was the first Ninja Turtle comic series that I've read. Mm-hmm. I grew up with the cartoons and the movies. Absolutely love them. But I mm-hmm. never read a comic book um, issue of the Ninja Turtles until the last run and came out. And absolutely love it. And so I'm very excited about C2E2 that's coming up in Chicago that I'm going to because Kevin Eastman's going to be there. I'm oh, going to have awesome. him sign the first uh, book of The Last Ronin and tell him that story of how this got me into the Ninja Turtle comic series. Even though I've been a huge fan of the property, yeah. this is the one I want him to sign because that's what got me into it. Um, so I absolutely love that series. I've been collecting The Lost Years as well, too. And recently, they uh, Paramount just announced that they're working on a game version that's supposed to be like mm-hmm. God of War that's going to be based on the last run. And so I cannot wait. It, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's a seller right now. It's just, it's, they're doing a fantastic job with that property. And, and, and I, I don't think you can go wrong with that. So I absolutely love hearing that. That's great. Oh yeah. And, and the IDW uh, TMNT series as a whole yes. is really great. I think I'm on volume five of that, but oh, I, nice. you know, I, a, a friend of mine recommended it to me and, you know, I was like, okay, you know, I'm like, I've always loved Ninja Turtles, but I'm like, ah, you know, I'm, I'm, let me see how the comic is. And yeah. sure enough, I read volume one and I was like, wow, this is really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, you know, I'm like, it has no business being that good. Um, <laughs> so yeah. And it's been I, going I, I totally, on since like 2010 or 2012. Mm-hmm. Like it's a continuous, like it's probably one of the longest running series out there that I've seen. The person who is writing it, I think she's been on it since issue one. So the fact that she's been on it from the beginning is just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And, and and I've been collecting the current issues as well, too. I think I started at City of War Volume 1, so I haven't read anything before that. But it's I agree with you. It's just a phenomenal series. It's, it's definitely a bigger world than what we've seen in any of the animations or – uh, T or I'm sorry, me movies that we've seen so mm-hmm. far, and it's just it's it's phenomenal. I, I'm still kind of getting caught up on that, but it's a phenomenal world that they've been building in the current series. Definitely. I absolutely love it. Yeah, uh, for me, I am reading uh, two series right now. One of them is Age of Apocalypse because that's actually um, a future episode that we're going to be working on uh, with uh, actually Kim from the ODPH podcast. Uh, he's going to be coming on to talk about uh, Age of, of Apocalypse and. Apparently, there's a lot of it's one of the it's an X Men book. So first of all, if, it, if it's an X Men book, that means that there's going to be a lot of the side stories that they put out currently, like what they have with with the X Men books. Um, but this one with Age of Apocalypse, there's I think ten issues that comprise of the main uh, story of Age of Apocalypse, and then there's all these other side stories. So we're going to focus on the ten, and then we might dive into some of the other side stories as well, too. Um, so I'm going to start working on that, and then I'm also working on X-Men Red that has um, been released the last couple of years, um, and I have the trade paperbacks for Volume 1 and Volume 2. I haven't started it yet. I think in the previous issue, I said that everybody from Comic Watch had said that that's the one to read, um, mm-hmm. that they absolutely love with, with um, X-Men, so so that is one I'm going to be starting this week as soon as I get caught up with my uh, daily polls, which I have a stack building up right now because I was on vacation. You never you never run out of things to read as a comic book reader. That's uh, true. That, and list, th- that list just gets more and more big <laughs> and more and more overwhelming sometimes. I know because you read more, but the more you read, the, the higher that pile still gets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's how you know when you become part of that world of comics is when you're <laughs> – non-red pile has become bigger than your what you've read yeah 
Yeah. Well, Seth, thank you very much for coming on the show to talk about the many deaths of the Layla Star. I appreciate you suggesting this. This is one of my favorite books now, especially if it's one that people are asking, what book should I read that's not a superhero comic book? Mm-hmm. This is at the top of my list because it's just a phenomenal and beautiful book. So thank you very much for joining the show to talk about this and do a deep dive on this. Before I let you go, where can everybody find you and your work online? Yeah, so um, my hub is basically on Instagram. I could be found at pages, panels, and figures. Um, I like to link all of my comic watch articles. Like I said, my, my so-so toy photography is all there. <laughs> so pretty much every everything I work on comic book related is all uh, comprehensive and put on there. So yeah, you can find me on Instagram. You know, Be sure to give me a follow and I'll, I'll do so right back. Uh, the comic book community is really fun, especially on Instagram. Uh, you know, I, I, every now and then I I think of that meme from Arrested Development where it's like, there are dozens of us, you know, and it's always cool to, to see a hashtag. And I'm like, wow, there's, there's a lot of people, you know, involved on this, you know, app, in, you know, talking about comics. So, yeah. yeah, pages, panels, and figures is where you'll find me. And I'll make sure to put that link in the show notes as well, too. So, Seth, thanks again for coming on the show and have a great rest of your week. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been fun. Have a great week. And that wraps up another episode of The Caps in Life. I hope you enjoyed listening, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button. You can follow us on social media at Caps in Life. And if you like what we're doing, give us a shout-out by tagging us in your post or send us a message. For more information about us and all of our previous episodes, visit thecapsinlife.com. Oh, 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 oh